Welcome back, friends. Today we're discussing album number 36, which is Off the Wall by the legendary Michael Jackson. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if you could keep on because the force, it's got a lot of power and it makes me feel like it, it, it makes me feel like Another fellow MJ. A fellow MJ. Yeah, yeah, and um, we're, I'm going to get into this a little bit later on, but I watched a documentary this week called Michael Jackson's Journey from Motown to Off the Wall. And, okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There was apparently a point in his career, we were probably too young to be aware of this, where he said, don't call me Michael, I want to be known as MJ. I want to distance oh. myself from that child star, the sort of cute kid that everyone loved. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be huge and, and call me MJ. Um, so yeah... It, not just a fellow MJ, okay. but but uh, preferentially the, at some point. The life, MJ. Uh, he must have shifted away from that because certainly by the time we were in high school and more aware of things, people were calling him Michael Jackson again. I guess they'd call him both. But Yeah. I, I remember people finding out that my initials were MJ, and especially in the early 90s, people said, oh, MJ, because there were so many. Like, MJ was a big deal. Yeah. Michael, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. Uh, there's Michael there's J. Certain, Fox. Yep, there wow. was a lot of really famous MJ's. I mean, <laughs> they're still those who are still with us are still very famous. But it just seemed that in the early '90s, MJ was a thing. Yeah. And then there wasn't there a pop star called MJ, like spelled E M J A Y. Oh, sure. I like that. Uh, <laughs> put that in there. Uh, do you want to just dive into some details? I'd love that. Uh, and then get this uh, get this party started. Absolutely. Details, 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 details. Off the Wall was released August 10th, 1979. This was MJ's fifth solo studio album. After he, he you did mention that Motown, he was doing albums with Motown that were solo albums, but he was still part of the Jackson 5. Right. Um, it was kind of like a blending there. I'm not going to get into that, and there's certainly I, I'm fairly ignorant on it. But this was his officially his fifth solo studio album. This is the album that precedes uh, Thriller, which we already talked about. So I think that's uh, important to note. Two of his best albums for sure. An interesting thing I learned. I don't know a whole lot about. Michael Jackson's whole career and his history with writing the songs. He was the king of pop. I always assumed that he wrote most of the music, but on this album, he only wrote two of the songs and co-wrote one. Mm -hmm. uh, so just three, and then the rest were written by other people. So yeah. I, I don't say that to say, oh, well, they're, it's not as legitimate or what. That No, that's not what I mean at all. I just find it interesting. I just assumed... Again, very ignorantly assumed that Michael wrote. Uh, certainly, I'm sure he he was obviously a big part of, of the music. But, anyways, yeah. off the wall, he he wrote. He was involved in three of the tunes. I think that is important to point out because it was part of the shift away from Motown. Um, I I think we need to remember the era. You know, you had this like 
professionalism of songwriting that would hand the, the tracks to the artist. Right. The yeah. celebrity, right? And the Jackson 5 were these mega celebrities, mega stars. You'd get people in the uh, writing room who would say, okay, here's your next big big hit, kids. Right. Here, yeah. here you go. Um, yeah. And they had talent as a family to want to write their own stuff. And that was part of their decision to leave Motown. Motown did not want to give them the freedom to be the ones crafting and creating the songs. They had their own stable of writers. And uh, the shift away from that, the shift to Epic, which allowed him to do this album, was wanting to take on more of the uh, the process of, of creation. And yeah, it's only three tracks. You're right. That's not a lot considering there are many artists that write the whole album. But right. the songs that he wrote are some of the bigger songs on the album. Yeah. And um, yeah. especially the title track, which we'll get into more. Uh, in that documentary I referenced, there's a, a an early um, demo that he put together of Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. And it's not polished, certainly, but he's playing and singing everything. And it sounds pretty close to what they wind up with. Yeah. And that that's easily uh, the most iconic song from the album. So... Um, you know, he, he didn't write it all, but but he definitely had the skill set to be the one writing uh, really good parts of it. <laughs> yeah, I think Don't Stop Till You Get Enough is, is probably the biggest song on the album. Mm-hmm. He did write that one, and he wrote Working Day and Night and co-wrote Get on the Floor. In terms of chart position, this went number three in the U.S. Uh, it didn't go up to number one. However... To date, sales worldwide are in excess of 20 million copies. So a very, very, very successful yeah. record. Not that, not too far behind Thriller mm-hmm. in terms of total sales, which I think was like a 20 plus or maybe 26 or something. Or was that one 30? It's, Anyways, it's I, huge, yeah. Bo- both a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this was one of the, I think, three albums where he collaborated with producer Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones produced pretty much every track on this album, and uh, they found much success together. According to some music journalists, this, uh, and this is something I didn't realize, I'll I'll talk about it, it epitomized the peak of the disco era, Hmm. being part of a group of landmark disco albums, including Donna Summer's Bad Girls and the Bee Gees' Saturday Night Fever. Now, I didn't realize, Ben... Uh, that this was a disco album yeah Uh, at least you know i was listening through it and i went oh this is very much a disco album like got got that feel almost all the way through it i again just didn't know i i knew the first track which i guess is yeah don't stop you getting up is a disco i mean i don't think of it as a disco song because i don't think of michael jackson as a disco artist right because he's not a disco artist, really. But right. this right. album really is a disco album, um, and uh, you really, you really get that sense going through the whole thing. Yeah, maybe we can talk about this later when we get to tracks. I do think there's enough uh, uh, quality to the songs that I don't immediately think disco when I first hear it. I, I think you're right; it, it is a disco album. But I think there's something in the something in them that like has a, a better better legs, better longevity than than disco has. You're you're playing your hand as to how you feel about disco. <laughs> Maybe a little <laughs> bit, and uh, yeah. I, well, I know there's some controversy about disco as well. Like, um, 
This is another thing I learned this week from this documentary, which I, I really I do highly recommend. But um, one of the people interviewed talks about the downfall of d- disco was um, could be argued as a pretty uh, racist effort. It was uh, oh. a, a white DJ oh. at the end of the 70s who started the Disco Sucks campaign. He was the one behind. Oh, uh, no. you, you probably have heard of this uh, uh the day disco died, uh, the Chicago White Sox held an event where they invited baseball fans to bring their disco albums to have a big bonfire at uh, Comiskey Park. And people showed up and burned records. It was it got way out of hand. There there was way too much beer involved. And um, I didn't know that was real. I've heard of, of that. It I didn't sort of think lived it was on in thing. infamy. Um, but but often it's uh, uh, pointed back to this sort of macho shock jock who, uh, you know, now looking back on it, it's easy to say, well, yeah, a, a, a genre that is um, more flamboyant, uh, includes more people of color, like shut that down, right? Like white people don't want more flamboyancy and more um, diversity, right? Oh, so um, so this, uh, you know, classic rock DJ uh, sparks the movement to bring down disco and uh I, I think this Jeez. album is like one of the last great things from that era, right? The the day disco died, I think, yeah. is, comes right after this, and uh, um, it moves from a sort of serious genre that Saturday Night Fever is still one of the best selling albums of all time, right? So it yeah. was being embraced by the the majority culture, and then this movement kind of like turns it very quickly into a, a laughing stock instead of a respectable genre. And wow. um, that's a you know again, my white privilege does dismiss disco as a lesser genre, right? And and so I hear the elements here and think, is this really good music or is this that like disco fad, right? Instead of saying like. This was a really amazing kind of piece of music uh, in its day that society decided to turn its back on. Um, and, and we can get more into that when we get through the tracks. <laughs> I've always really enjoyed disco music, even though some of it is a little campy. Yeah. I, I guess that's one word to yeah, use. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's it's fun. But I, I've always been aware of this kind of stigma around it mm-hmm. that it it's kind of a bit of a yeah it's a bit of a joke right yep. and it was yep. like just and then it was just an era and then it disappeared but i mean you listen to pop music in the last 10 years disco's a huge part of it a lot you of know, borrowing like yeah. all sorts of yeah, yeah um maroon five uh and and right now um dua lipa uh who is uh i don't know if you're familiar with her music but my my daughter and you know they she's really into it she's mm. a huge act out of england right now um a ton, like tons of disco yeah. all throughout her new music you know it's uh, yeah, a little more modern a little modern instrumentation and a little more uh, electronic do you listen to Wolfpack? I've heard of them I've <laughs> heard some of their I've heard covers and oh what if we did this song as if it was a Wolfpack song oh yeah <laughs> something but I don't really know I don't really know them. I, re- I really like them and they've got a bit of, definitely a bit of a, a disco vibe at times too so yeah, you're right. A, a lot of that um, doubling, doubling the the bass and the lead line, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. bass guitar and the lead guitar will double on the line. Yeah, do 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 do, which is a very disco yep. thing. You, know, yeah. you think about that Jackson Five stuff and this stuff. Yeah, tons of that. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I know it'll take a little while, but um, when Andrew Hickey gets to uh, um, in his history of rock and roll and 500 songs, I'm, I'm looking forward to the meandering <laughs> through the 70s to hear how this all fits together <laughs> with the pieces. But, that's, all, yeah. that's a lot. Yep. Go back to off the wall. <laughs> uh, so the album itself didn't win a Grammy, right? But uh, Michael did res- did get a Grammy in 1980 for best male R&B vocal performance. Yeah, uh, which would have been based on this album. Uh, some have argued that there was some subtle racism at play here. Because his award wasn't even part of the Grammy broadcast, because R and B was considered lesser music. Again, we're getting into that. yeah, uh, lesser music, and, and that it fueled Jackson's drive to make Thriller a more mainstream success yeah. that was embraced by a more diverse audience. And and I read that that he that he was not happy that he didn't win Album of the Year or even get considered for it. Yeah, he wasn't nominated either, was he? And he said, uh, he was quoted as saying, uh, that's not going to happen again. I think to his mother specifically, <laughs> she, she, right. she recalls him saying, next year they're going to know who I am or something like that. Right. Yeah. Bam, Thriller. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what? It was fun when we talked about Thriller uh, with our friend Ronnie uh, about the the album artwork uh, because, I, I don't know, some of his album covers are just they're funny like i don't ah i don't know what to say about this ben i mean (laughs) i i think there was a period of his teenage years people talk about he was kind of a shy he had all this like fame and stardom and didn't really ever know how to interact with the public and you know as an adult it really gets pretty crazy with his um uh, Neverland Ranch and, and things like that. But in this middle phase, he's like still kind of seen as an icon, but he's also going through like teenage, you know, weirdness at the same time. So uh, he doesn't huh. really have a sense of like what he should be, but people idolize him regardless. So you get this like kind of cheesy, it, it almost makes me think of like Steve Urkel kind of posture here. Hold on a sec. Before you go on, how. How old was he? He was like tw- uh, 21. Yeah, so like barely. Right. Uh, let's see, this came out in 1979. Yeah, so he so he was 21. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to cut you off. Just, I just, just you were saying that, and I've, I, <laughs> right. I realized I didn't really, I don't really know how old he was when this came out. Okay. Yeah, so All like, right, gotcha. you know, kind of heading off Go to on. college age, I guess, or a bit, yeah. bit older than that. The uh, the record, you can scroll down in our document that we share, it folds down and you get the full picture. Okay. When you see the full picture of him, it's almost like a Steve Urkel kind of uh, pose. Yeah. Like, he just looks kind of nerdy um, as if he's like still trying to figure out who he wants to be, what cool actually means. Um, and, and I say that knowing that at the time, uh, people would have seen him as cool. But I, I think... With the hindsight now, it, it's it's still someone trying to figure out who they are, I think, at this stage. Now, the videos, he's clearly, uh, the videos from this era, he's clearly um, an incredible dancer who, who does have yeah. swagger, yeah. charisma. Um, but, you know, he, he's also, you know, personally, I think at this time, 
um, still trying to figure himself out. Uh, there were yeah stories of him going to um, uh, what was the famous dance club in New York City, uh, Studio Fifty Four, and just okay, kind yeah. of like uh, going up to the DJ booth and hanging out up there where he could watch everyone, but he didn't really want to like interact with the crowd. He was sort of like. I'm just not sure who I am. Um, I want to be here. I want to be a part of everything, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna people gaze instead of like actually interact with with uh, society. Well, and he's very famously said, I think, in one of his later um, documentaries where he was interviewed, that having grown up in show business, he felt always felt most comfortable on stage. Yeah, I think he's quoted as saying like he he would be more than comfortable to be at a stadium filled with 50,000 people and grab a sleeping bag and and just go to go to bed there because yeah. he felt totally comfortable and safe on stage and the opposite of that is that he did not feel comfortable in those regular yeah. social settings because yeah. he, that was not his experience growing up i'm paraphrasing a bit but that was he he didn't have those regular experiences <laughs> yeah <laughs> which yeah. so what you're that story you're saying makes sense that he just kind of wanted to observe because he didn't really know how to be I, I think there's a lot of people can associate with just kind of yeah being awkward socially or social anxiety or whatever you want to call it but in in his case and him and his family like they they grew up in a very very different environment yep <laughs> where they were yep. kind of forced i'll use that word maybe with a little bit of levity but they they were placed into that environment and culture and career yeah. as children and that's what they knew yeah, you, uh, I think seeing the full picture helps a little bit, um, but it still looks like, I don't know, the tux is not really his, like, that's not his style. Mm-hmm. You know, the tuxedo or the, the bow tie doesn't feel like his style to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the white socks, yes, and they've got them kind of lit up there, <laughs> which is obviously a Michael thing. Uh, but but even he does, he looks a little caught off guard. Yeah. And like, if this was a photo shoot... If it was a photo shoot and not candid, like that's your best shot. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems funny. And then, like, if you look ahead at Thriller, like Thriller, obviously very staged, and it's like got all this kind of effects on it. Uh, we laughed about that one kind of curl on his forehead, but he looks like way more like confident and yes, uh, just kind of here. Yeah, here he got it. Even though he is like twenty or twenty-one, he still kind of has a bit of that teen awkwardness feel about him. So yeah. Yeah. The brick wall is a nice a nice touch, kind of a throwback to the past, I think. Um and there's like part of a window on the side. I don't know. It's just like just it's like a picture or a window slight like just right at the edge to the right. It just artistically Yeah. It's just bizarre. It's just it's just strange to me. Um, when we started researching this and I saw the cover, I wasn't familiar with it. It wasn't like the thriller one. I was familiar with dangerous, you know, what's like that carnival. Uh, I'm familiar with that image. Um, some of the other ones, the Jackson five ones, but this one, I was, it wasn't familiar to me for whatever reason, mm-hmm. even the mm-hmm. album, Ben, when we started, I don't think I'd heard of off the wall. Maybe yeah. some of the songs. Yeah, but not the album. So there are certain things about this that feel foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Which I think says more about me than about really about the album or Michael in general. But right, right. I guess that maybe that experience represents a group of people, yeah, that are like me, <laughs> middle-aged white guys. <laughs> <laughs>
I guess I just said I I hadn't listened to this album. I wasn't familiar with it. Some of the songs, but not it. had you listened to this album before? No, this is also new to me. And actually, I was surprised. I I, I definitely knew this was an album, um, but I would have assumed that I knew more of it, given that it's you know thirty six best of all time. Uh, you know, and maybe I'm yeah. comparing that to Thriller, where like I don't know that there was a single track on that that i hadn't heard before exactly (laughs) maybe one or two uh even though it wasn't an album that i would have ever sat down and listened to i still knew almost everything on it same i think i thought that that would be the case here as well and so while there's some familiar stuff and some stuff that sounds familiar uh i was surprised that i I don't know a lot of it it's the first thing i want to mention when we talked about the last album we reviewed uh number 35 rubber soul the beatles i think right at the end you made a joke if paul mccartney <laughs> shows up on off the wall as he did on uh, on thriller and i think i said yeah. oh no i don't think so but but he does he wrote one of the songs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i chuckled when we got to that too yeah i, I was looking at that okay like, hey, hang on a sec but yeah th- so so track six girlfriend that was uh mccartney wrote it for mm-hmm. Michael, uh, but mm-hmm. then ended up using it on the Wings album, the previous right. one, 78, and, and then Michael used it for the, for this album. Uh, Always intended that to be the case, yeah. Right. Uh, I guess I don't understand their relationship, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he's a good couple decades older, right? Um, I don't know if it's just that but, you sort but of... What's, what's the connection? Am I missing something? You sort of reach that sort of stage of um, celebrity when like, there's like maybe a hundred people with as much wealth and power and fame as you. And so those are your new friends. Like, I, I don't know oh, if that's really? it or okay. if it, <laughs> um, I, I, I imagine, especially in uh, sort of pre social media paparazzi intensity. Uh, I imagine that, yeah, there, there was sort of like a, Boy, uh, you you probably know what I'm going through. I'm I'm wildly speculating here, but I, if you if you ask me, I think that's probably what I would assume is the reason for this connection that they they understand what it's like to go from uh, you know teenager to can't go anywhere without being mobbed. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It is weird. The age difference, the cultural differences, the. Um, I don't know. It just feels like a strange uh, connection there, but hey, it, it apparently was was real. <laughs> it's a, it's interesting to look through this writers list. We we often point out when there's some Canadian content, and we've got David Foster here on on track number nine. So I don't know. Maybe we need to consider this another uh, Canadian uh, album here uh, <laughs> with his contribution. Um, Stevie Wonder wrote a track for this this song, Paul McCartney. So, this is a yep. k- kind of a stacked list of uh, yeah. of uh, writers for the music here, and yeah. Quincy Jones, of course, producing the whole thing. Yes, um, yeah, it's quite quite something. David Foster, who is that, Ben? Who's David Foster? How do I not know who this He's is? He's a Canadian who has won. Uh, he's written. He he's written like more popular songs and probably just about anyone but most people don't know like kind of who he is because he's always behind the scenes right some crazy amount of like number one 
uh, songs. Where's the? It's got to be like a list here. Disco- discography. He's won sixteen Grammy Grammy Awards and has forty seven nominations. Wow! Look okay. at his collaboration list, though. <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, sorry, I I, <laughs> I hadn't heard of him. I don't I'm think not, I'd heard, not heard of him. Heard of him until a few years. Yeah, ago. how do was, you know about him? <laughs> I was home for some reason, and CBC had a like, you know, the life of David Foster kind of thing. He's still alive, but kind of oh, retrospective okay. look at his career, and I was like, wait, who is this? And Dad was like, how do you not know this guy? Don't you have a music podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Your dad uh, giving you the gears, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's kind of a huge deal. How would your dad know him? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, my dad knows a lot about weird, obscure things, but uh, <laughs> he's always consuming stuff. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> sidetrack. David Foster. Yeah. Uh, you put "Don't Stop" to get enough. Uh, there's Star Wars ties. Can you help me out with that one? Because I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I'm, uh, I'm yeah. missing that as well. Is it in the lyrics? Not in the lyrics. Not confirmed. We need to start by saying that. But I wanted to ask you, knowing that you are such a big Star Wars fan, um, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" has a line in it that repeats over and over. Okay, hold on. Let me. I'm pulling up the lyrics. Let's see if I can. I can. Oh, uh, well, that came out. Uh, Star Wars came out seventy-seven. So this came out a couple years later. The refrain over and over. We all know that "Don't stop till you get enough." But that part that he says very quickly right before it: "Keep on with the force. Don't stop. Oh. Don't stop till you get enough." And there's some people who think there was a producer on this record. I think who worked with George Lucas. There's some like r- rabbit trail that people have gone on for for many years that. MJ was secretly referencing the force when he sings Ooh. keep on with the force don't stop don't stop till you get enough his mom was appalled uh, as a, a devout Jehovah's Witness that <laughs> this sounds like uh, someone who's getting ready for some intimacy uh, keep on with the force don't stop don't stop till you get enough um, but he was like no 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 it, it has to do with anything in the world and and I think that more than anything has led people to be like so it really is just this like vague notion of the force oh okay so maybe he was really <laughs> talking about star wars here uh, uh, so, i had no yeah, idea like, i had clued into that at all it's also apparently one of the most misunderstood lyrics people don't hear the force they like people wondered why he's been singing about forks um yeah i uh, yeah i didn't know i didn't know <laughs> keep on so with fat. the force mike keep on with the force yeah yeah uh, so yeah, I don't. Maybe it's there. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that was in an early script, um, uh, an early Star Wars script that he got his hands on from George Lucas, where instead of saying "May the Force be with you," they said uh, "Keep on with the Force." Keep on with the Force. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. every movie since then they right. say that? <laughs> Keep on with the Force. <laughs> he was supposed to be in a, a future Star Wars, but Lucas saw the Whiz and was like, "Ooh." Uh, maybe not. We're gonna cut that. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna cut that track. You can use it on your next album. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, now I know you're a huge Seinfeld fan, like massive yeah. Seinfeld fan. You've watched the series right. probably dozens of times, front mm-hmm. to back. What's the Seinfeld connection? Seinfeld connection is the um, the clip show that aired before the finale the very disappointing finale in the minds of many Seinfeld fans but the clip show 
has been heralded as like they should have just ended the series there because it was such a good retrospective look. But um, dancing in its various forms comes up in a number of different ways throughout Seinfeld, a show about nothing, which is actually about everything. And there's a montage <laughs> with Don't Stop Till You Get Enough as the soundtrack of things like Elaine's horrible dancing with the little kicks and Kramer, right. and, Kramer and Newman dancing while they're making sausage and uh, Jerry and George kind of <laughs> running around the apartment. Uh, and it's all set to this Michael Jackson song. So okay. when I hear it, uh, when I press play on this album, one of the first things that comes to my mind is is that finale oh. all the way back now in 1998 and how much joy i felt in that clip show and then how much disappointment that came right after it with the, <laughs> the terrible finale but um oh, uh, yeah it's a it's a really interesting piece there i thought it's funny to have that connection with uh you know the weird conspiracy theory with star wars but the very real connection with with seinfeld and uh all on this iconic album uh here as well <laughs> it's a it's such a good tone setter like you know, yeah. cultural oh, references yeah. aside, man, like just that opening hook, just it just pulls you right in. The, the sort of I, I don't know. I guess that's it's almost uh, a full orchestra there with the yeah, uh, got the strings. strings and brass and yep. And again, very disco that they're they're all playing like the same line. Like you've yeah. got the different instruments on different octaves, but all playing. Yeah. Yeah, and while we're uh, while we're on it here, the first thing that his voice does is is one of the iconic MJ. Uh, I don't know. Would you call it a yell, squeal? I don't know that MJ <laughs> sound that he makes. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is the first time, apparently. This is oh um, really? Oh, I didn't know not that. Something he did through the the Jackson Five years. Uh, okay. And and this is our introduction. So don't stop till you get enough. Not only is a great hit hook, but um, introduces a new part of this emerging superstars uh, yeah. repertoire, which then stays repertoire. with him for the rest of his career. Right. Yeah, it's a good one. I've followed. Up. I I've always really liked Rock with You. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's everyone's favorite. Um, certainly not one of his bigger hits, but it's got a bit more of a slower. Uh, it's not slow. Why does it feel so different than than the opening kind of dance party? Um, is a bit more thoughtful, I guess, maybe is a way to, to put it. It doesn't hit as hard. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and instead of being a bunch of strings all playing something loudly, it's like one trumpet. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a lot smoother, whereas Don't Stop is like, is really hits hard. Um, right, right. And is, you know, as the kids would say, a real banger. Right. Whereas, yeah, Rock With You is, is more. Rock it's got more maybe. of a, it's got more of a groove. It's got more of a yeah. groove. It's got a right. soft. It does. I. You're right. Not slower, but softer. Yeah. Uh, it's still. It's still very up tempo, but yeah, yeah. it's got a softer yeah. feel from the guitars to um, the trumpet. It's got nice pushes though, and nice nice chord progressions. It's a it's a good tune, but again, very disco, <laughs> very very mm-hmm. disco. Mm-hmm. Not that that's negative, yep. but yep. it's just so it just sets it in the time. You know, you're partway through the line, the album, and you get to uh, "She's Out of My Life," which was another one that was familiar to me. But it kind of, yeah, it oh, it's so slow. Like it just like mm-hmm. I feel like any momentum in the album is just like oh, it's like puts me to sleep. It's 
it's not a bad song. Um, it's actually a very good song. It it's the one for me that <laughs> carries the most cheese of this era. He sort of yeah. ends with almost like a, a weeping kind of cry to his voice. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe the way that it's like orchestrated too with the strings just feels like, wow, this is this is stuck in the era. <laughs> I know some people absolutely love this song and, and hold it up as some of his most authentic. Like he is really, okay. really pour, pouring out his heart here on this track, right? Um, yeah. Uh, to the point of, you know whether it's legitimate or i don't know the the rumor is quincy said do you, do you want to do another take and he said i don't know that i can sing this without crying and they're like okay oh, wow. we're gonna stick with that then <laughs> um that's it but <laughs> yeah that's huh. it and I, I think it's important to, to point out that he did uh, quite a number of ballads throughout his career and and i would agree with you you do get the sense of sincerity in them mm-hmm. like he really pours himself out in them it's just yeah it's it's hard for me to when you're moving from starting with things like don't stop and rock with you and some of those other ones and then get to that yeah. it's just like poo, just sucks it right back but then we <laughs> we 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 uh we we go through and we finish off with like burn this disco out which is just again yeah. just like a, a hot disco <laughs> tune right so right right uh, no it's it's good um with this uh album coming kind of near the end of the disco era it seems sort of interesting it concludes with this track called burn this disco out almost as if like, mm. well, the end is near everyone. <laughs> um, I don't know that they would have known it at the time, but you mentioned that the day that disco died and, and the yeah. kind of the burning, like that was in July of 79. And this came out in August. Now I'm not sure when they finished recording it. I would assume that it, the album was already done. Oh Yeah by that point but yeah it is it is kind of interesting that uh (laughs) just the word right yeah it says says recorded from december 78 to june 3rd 79 so they're already done the album before the 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 event where they literally burned disco albums so so there's not (laughs) we can't say that that was influenced but it is it is interesting coincidence yeah all in all i think this is an album that um I don't think it like grabs me in the same way that Thriller does, but I I can hear a lot of Thriller in it. I can see the evolution, yeah. and I'm glad to spend some time uh, with it to sort of maybe understand Thriller a little bit more. It's quite a. I mean, I know he had he had um, solo albums on Motown, but he was he they were like side projects from the Jackson Five. This I think right. Yes really does sort of stand as his first this is me being authentically myself here not just like stepping away from the boys for a while um yes and i I think that as part of his evolution too is really really great to know and trying to understand music which is hopefully what we're trying to do with this journey through this list (laughs) right and yeah based on what you said too it's a great bridge album because we hear that you know, you said with the Jackson Five, they had songwriter Motown had songwriters giving yeah. them the songs, mm-hmm. and they were performing the yep. songs. And now he's somewhere in the middle, right? So he's he's involved in it, but especially with the disco stuff, you still feel like that's not totally him. Uh, yeah. That like he's making a disco song his own, or he's making that genre his own in these songs. Then when you get to Thriller, 
it's all Michael. Like those songs are so unique in terms of pop in the in the early eighties, like just trend setting. I feel like when I when we listen to it perform, when I listen to Thriller again, it still some of the songs sound like five to ten years ahead of their time. You know, yeah. like the just mm-hmm. he was just so but he had found his style, his uh, sound. And this is, yeah. you know, very much a, you're right. It's a precursor to it. You can hear hints of it. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's that, it's that bridge. When I listen to rubber soul, I hear hints of revolver. And when I listen to yeah. revolver, I hear hints of Sergeant peppers, you know, you hear kind of what right. they're going to do right. next is starting already. And I hear, you're right. I hear that here too. Absolutely. The potential is there and you can, knowing where it goes from there, you can sort of see the, yeah the, the genesis the origin yeah well like the word yeah. you use is evolution yeah. you know evolution yeah. you're, you're change you're changing right like you're you're yeah. starting to experiment with the sound but it's not really become your sound yet but then that's what you latch yep. on to right um yep yeah yep. very very interesting if you want to listen to songs that we listen to on this podcast you can go to spotify and we have a playlist called Sound Logic Favorites where we pick two tracks from each album we've reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, what track would you pick from this album to go up on that playlist? I don't really want to pick anything but that opening track. Uh, I think that's my preference. I, there are other songs I really like here that are interesting. Yeah. Burn This Disco Out is fun. But man, that first, when that... That comes in it's just like <laughs> oh man there's something so genius about that opening oh yeah it's fantastic track well i will pick you? uh i'm gonna pick rock with you uh still just one of one of my favorite uh I, I think an unpopular i've told other people that it's one of my favorites so like really <laughs> out of all michael jackson <laughs> songs I was like well i mean i like a lot of the other ones too but rock with you is is really it's a really cool song it's got a great groove very disco you can take but, our yeah, two but, tracks and and that's enough. No, just kidding. The The rest of the <laughs> album's good too, but those opening two tracks are, I think, oh, yeah. really the cream of the crop there. Yep. Off the, off the wall is good. Um, she's out of my life. It, 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 it's a good ballad. It's just not not my thing. Uh, but yeah, that's mine. Okay, so, we, so here's an interesting one. So we talked about, you know, disco dying, but then still being really popular for some people and album selling. And then I mentioned that it's uh, elements of disco are really hot right now in pop music. Yeah. So is this album still relevant? What, what do you think, Ben? <laughs> this is an interesting one. This is a really interesting one. I feel like this is important because I think it, I think it pushed the genre. I don't hear, um, Saturday Night Fever when I'm listening to this. I think there's more here than what I... It's sort of like the uh, Wikipedia entry for disco. I think there's more interesting oh. stuff here <laughs> going on, right? Like, this is not right. the... This is not what I would point to if someone said, what does disco sound like? Um, okay. And yeah. the general sense that I get, um, you know, people like Questlove were in this documentary that I watched, and, and their nostalgic look at, like, feeling like the whole world was changing again sounds an awful lot like some of the other albums we've looked at that have mm. like totally transformed music um this feels like the the moment that transforms before the big transformation of thriller but it's still like 
even though it's in that disco c- category, I think it, it also really moved uh, the industry and what was possible. So, um, boy, none of those things are really necessarily relevancy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> importance, I guess, is something. I think this is a really important album. I'm not sure whether this is still a relevant album or not. Um, certainly mm. stuff there to borrow from. And, and like you said, you know, plenty of current artists are drawing from this era. If it came out today, I'm, I'm guessing that a few tracks people would really raise their eyebrows at. Them. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's not so, re- maybe that does say it's not so relevant, but uh, still, still great. And yeah. Stuff, <laughs> stuff here to glean from. <laughs> Absolutely, I, you know, just, I have I wrote down a few things. But what you said about being re- released today, like, can you imagine we had never heard um, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" and you know, let's say an artist like Bruno Mars, yeah, releases that song tomorrow, like it would st- it would be huge, that like would be amazing. A- absolutely yeah. as is, yeah, just the yep. way it is. I think it would be right. a huge hit. So uh, that matches with what I some of my ideas about this so i think some of the individual songs are still very relevant mm-hmm. and therefore i think some of them are not and the disco influence is really really popular right now and i think has been for the last yeah. five to ten years but i think that some of the instrumentation is very dated uh which is fair you know that happens mm-hmm. uh and i will say that his vocal performance i think is timeless his vocal yeah. performance yeah. is is not i don't think it's dated i think it's fantastic and it's he's just so unique and amazing that uh that kind of transcends it mm-hmm. so i would say yes to parts and no to parts yeah i think in general true. yes i think in general yes but there's certain things about it no but but like i said that disco feel is right. really really hot now, right now so you could take those you, like you could take you could remix that well i mean you could, people still play don't stop you get enough all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still just a, yeah. a still a really popular song but you could take it and just just remix it a little bit um you know add maybe a, a bit of a different drum track and you know process it a bit to be yeah. more trendy in terms of what today's trends are in production and and absolutely for sure 100 percent. so yeah i i think so i think if i had to pick a yes or no i'd say yes although it's always more complicated than that isn't it yeah (laughs) how do you feel about the position was this sound logic 36 Uh, jumping up from 68 on the previous version right the temptation is always to compare it to the other stuff from the artist i think it definitely deserves to be um further down the ranking than thriller uh okay moving, yeah moving it up here um given my my lack of familiarity with it uh i don't really feel like i can authentically say i know how much it changed music for instance um uh mm. it, there's there's a certainly an element of greatness here i don't i don't think i would have been too surprised if it had stayed put where it was i'm a little surprised that it's up this high yeah me too any any higher and i think i really would be and if it was a a top 20 album i'd really be scratching my head here in the 30s um i guess that's fine again you know if this list is trying to 
bring more diversity, um, bring more albums that, that change music. Uh, mm. I think both both of those boxes get checked with this one, and yeah, I, I think it's fine. Maybe a little high. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty much my thought as well. I, I thought I thought it was a little bit high. Um, it, it's a good album, and then after re- that was my knee jerk reaction. After researching, seeing, I, I didn't realize that it was quite so successful 20 million copies is yeah quite a lot um and then yeah. i also read that that there are many critics who feel that this is that's a toss-up between off the wall and thriller as to what michael jackson's quote best album is in their opinion mm-hmm. um and i didn't really realize that either i thought thriller was kind of the front runner and then, then you might have other albums like you know uh dangerous or bad you know that might be up there but uh, apparently it's it's these two so given that i guess that makes i if it had stayed around 68 or even in the 50s i would have been fine with that too I, yeah um i wonder if as a precursor to thriller that that it it kind of piggybacks off thriller a bit mm-hmm. but i don't think that's necessarily fair to say right uh, right so yeah I, I was surprised um or seeing this and listening to it um but as you said if if we're looking at the the music that influenced and continues to influence as disco does. And this is like, like if you had asked me before, did Michael Jackson do a disco album? I would have said, no, <laughs> Michael Jackson's not a disco artist, but, right. but here he is. And like, he, he took it and springboarded from it. So it's like, right. it's pretty important. So yeah, I, I'm still thinking it's a little high, but I don't have like an amazing argument of why it should be lower end. And it's a good album. Yeah. So let's just I- leave it. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm far more familiar with the other album that he has on the top 500 list, which is Bad, which comes in all the way down at 194. And maybe it's because oh, really? Bad is a bit more pop R&B. I think it it maybe holds up a little bit better than Off the Wall. And I'm I'm a bit surprised that it's still sort of lagging down in the around the 200 point when this gets bumped up to to 36. So. It'll be interesting, um, you know, in a few years' time when we finally get to that one, how it compares. Uh, those are the three Michael Michael Jackson albums on the list. Uh, Thriller at number 12 now, Off the Wall at 36, and Bad, which comes in at 194. Thriller and Off the Wall both bumped up. Yeah. A few. Uh, Bad stayed pretty much the same, pretty went much. up a few spots. So, yeah. yeah, only three albums from MJ. I thought yeah. there might have been a little more. I would have expected that but, too. I don't really have, like, nothing comes to my mind. It's like, oh, that should be here. So maybe that's why. Maybe he's one of those artists that yeah. makes a lot of great music, but kind of spread out over a bunch of albums. Right. Not yeah. One or two that, that really rise to the top. Anything else before we move on, buddy? No, this is good. I'm, I'm excited to continue this journey and, uh, and another good one under our belts. Yeah, it's been a while since it feels like it's been a while anyway that we've had sort of a quick, clean kind of ten-song album. Uh, I feel like we've had <laughs> lots to chew on with uh, some of our longer reviews here lately. So uh, getting sure. this kind of nice. Yeah, what we got coming up next time. Sliding in at uh, number thirty-seven is another album that's been bumped way up. Uh, Dr. Dre's The Chronic album uh, from nineteen ninety-two. It used to be at 138, and it's now at number 37. So, wow, um, 100 spots, 101, 101 spots rising, and yeah, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to tackle as well. 
yeah another another new one for us another new review we hope you'll join us for that review until then we hope you continue to be well take care of yourself and those around you and we'll talk to you next time on the sound logic podcast if you like what you hear subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review send us a message at our facebook page on instagram or through our sound logic podcast twitter feed thanks for listening